Amen. Thanks, Katie. Um, yeah. So I'm not feeling too sparky, but I believe that God has something really important to speak to us this morning. Um, I love that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Um, and obviously, it's always a joy to come before you and to speak about somebody that I love. Um, so we will see how we go this morning. Um, it's my pleasure to be carrying on our series about the kingdom of God this morning. And can I encourage you? We were really expectant in worship, weren't we? That God was going to give us words to speak over one another, that we were going to hear from him, that we were going to encounter him. Can I encourage you as we come to listen to his words spoken to us from the Bible this morning, to come with that same expectancy, to expect to encounter him in his word, to meet with him, to be drawn deeper into relationship with our loving creator to hear his words of truth spoken to our hearts today and then to respond afresh in worship. Because today we get the privilege and the joy of looking at a piece of scripture that is so dear to our hearts as a church. A piece of scripture that tells us who we are, who God is, what he has done for us and who he's equipping us to be as we join him in his mission. Over the coming weeks and last week with Abby, um, we started to unpick some of this passage and today we are looking at what it means to focus on the fact that God brings freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. So I'm going to read to you from Isaiah 61. Um, It's going to ping up on the screen behind me so you can read along. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God. To, To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So, the Oak Church, what does this look like for us to receive this tender mercy of God and his transforming power and then to proclaim it and to show it to others so that we display his splendor. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have such good news for us, you have truth for us, that you love us beyond measure, that you created us in love and you call us back into that loving relationship with you. Lord, we thank you that you love us because you love us because you love us. So we pray, Holy Spirit, be moving amongst us this morning. Be helping our ears to be alert to the things that you are speaking over us. Give us hearts that are ready to respond to you, Lord. And God, the stuff that is just of me, would you just put to one side? But the things that you want to speak to our hearts, would you help us to engage with those words that you might grow something wonderful in us and bless your world as a result? We pray all of these things in the wonderful name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So Abby really wonderfully opened up um, this passage to us last week and also just brought to us from Luke 4 how Jesus, at the very beginning of his ministry, 
gets up and reads this piece of scripture from a scroll, the scroll of Isaiah, written hundreds of years before he came to earth. He says these words, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he tells them, today in your hearing, this scripture is fulfilled. Jesus showing us afresh what this kingdom of God looks like. And when we think about kingdom, we think about it often with our Western mindset. We think about a place or a region. So we live in the United Kingdom, most of us here today. Um, But the Jewish people at Jesus' time really thought about it as a reign. So when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he's talking about the people that God is ruling over and the restoration of God's intent in the way that he rules them. He's proclaiming liberty to the captives. And Jesus' hearers at the time lived in occupied territory. They were desperate for deliverance from the Romans who oppressed them to have their rightful place again. Was Jesus this Messiah? He was going to be quick and efficient and powerful and restore Israel to the rightful place and show those Romans who's boss. Well, Jesus' plan didn't look quite like their one. They were fixated on their immediate circumstances. But Jesus knew that he was coming to bring them freedom from a far greater enemy, the power of evil and darkness. Jesus offers us salvation from our sins. He offers us freedom and deliverance from demonic strongholds of the enemy. Their understanding of what could be was just so much smaller than what will be. And that's a challenge for us this morning. Do we sometimes find our hearts frustrated by the way God does things? Because we think we've got this perfect plan and if he could just get on board with what we're asking him to do and do what we're saying he should do and act in that way, then surely this problem would be sorted. I know sometimes we need to realise that his plans are just so much bigger than ours. Here we're talking about spiritual salvation But as we look at Jesus' earthly ministry, we see that the physical and the spiritual are just so deeply interlinked. He said, I'm the light of the world. I'm going to open your eyes spiritually. But what did he do? He physically opened up blind eyes and blind people received their sight. He said, I'm the bread of life. I'm going to nourish you. But he physically fed people. We think of the feeding of the 5,000 as an example. In John chapter 11, it says, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And then he physically raised people back to life. He cares intimately for people. And he brings about changes in their circumstances, but he also shows amazing kingdom truths through these actions. Now, most of us in this room don't have a physical experience of imprisonment or slavery. But all of us have experience of spiritual captivity, of being bound up and trapped by the things of life. Perhaps that's being trapped in a prison of unforgiveness 
or needing to be set free from an addiction. Perhaps that's feeling restricted by words others have spoken over us that have distorted the way that we see ourselves or the potential that God has placed in us. Maybe we are needing deliverance from demonic oppression or feeling captive to fears through racism or trauma or injustice. You know, we could have preached a whole series just on this one and you'll be glad to know I'm not going to do that today. Um, But we are going to focus in on what it means for him to release us from the prison of our sin. Um, We had the reading at Christmas from Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. When Jesus arrived, a new way of God living on earth came. He can break us free from the chains of our sin, and he can reestablish the rule of God here. So this is the big story arc that God created us in love the Father, the Son, and the Spirit had perfect love and they wanted somebody else to share in that, so they formed us and we had perfect relationship. Only then sin entered the world and humanity chose to rebel against God's perfect loving rule. Relationships got broken as we doubted his goodness and we started to believe the lie that we know better how to live life in all of its fullness. We got trapped then in the shame of all the wrong stuff that we had done to others and to our creator. And God sent so many messengers to show us the way back to him, to point us back to him. And eventually, he sent his son, Jesus, to bring humanity back to relationship with God. He came and he paid the price for our sins, being our perfect sacrifice, dying in our place and being raised back to life so that we can know with absolute certainty that when we repent, we are forgiven and we are welcomed back into his wonderful family. Because what God's offering us isn't just forgiveness, it doesn't end there. That would have been mercy, not getting the punishment that we deserve for all the stuff that we do wrong but he offers us grace, which is getting what we don't deserve. He not only mercifully forgives us, he offers us adoption into God's big family. And as children of God, we are heirs to that kingdom. 1 Peter chapter 1 puts it this way, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is being kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. If you don't know Jesus yet today, can I encourage you to be asking these big questions questions of faith and opening yourself up to getting to know him. Me or Katie would love it if you grabbed us for a chat or chat things through with somebody that brought you. Because when you know Jesus and you receive his grace for you, the forgiveness of your sins, you become a new creation in him. When I was 
writing this, um, I felt God really remind me of a prophetic word that I had quite a long time ago, actually now, about caterpillars and butterflies. And caterpillars crawl around um, on the leaves, don't they? And they're munching away, and they've got quite a limited existence that can only go as far as they can crawl to. But then something miraculous happens at metamorphosis. A transformation occurs, and that beautiful butterfly comes out of its cocoon. And it's fundamentally still the same creature as it was, but it has been significantly transformed. There's a new vibrancy to it. There's a new beauty to it. And most importantly, it's now got wings. Now, that butterfly could continue trudging around on its leaf, same as it always did. It's not going to stop being a butterfly. Or it can acknowledge that there has been a massive change. It can spread its wings, and it can really fly. You know, Red Bull has nothing on Jesus, just saying. But we can see, we can be the same, can't we? When we're Christians, we can be Christians and kind of go, oh, nothing's really changed, I'm still the same old me, I'm still stuck in some of the same stuff that I'm stuck in. Or we can acknowledge that something has fundamentally shifted in us when we came to know Christ. And we can use all of our good, God-given giftings to really fly into the things that he calls us to and the things that he has prepared that he has in store for us. Your identity when you come to know Christ is no longer a sinner. We sometimes do ourselves a misservice. We describe ourselves as, well, we're sinners, but we're saved by grace. But no, God has given us a new identity as his holy ones. We're set apart to do his good works. Your sin got dealt with on the cross. That's not your identity anymore. He cleaned you up and prepared you for this future. And in future to come, we'll be perfected as he continues to transform us by this eternal relationship and the action of the Holy Spirit inside of us who lives in you and is at work within you. But this distinction is so important because if we see ourselves as sinners, then we think that's who we are and we expect ourselves to go on sinning. Well, Of course I did that because I always do. That's just who I am. It's all about me and it's about my ability. How much more helpful is it to think about ourselves as forgiven new creations, people filled and equipped by the Holy Spirit of God and expectant of operating in his strength, but who still occasionally sin. On the Freedom in Christ course, they use a really great illustration for this point and it comes from the Grimm's fairy tale, The the Frog Prince. You might know the story, the princess kisses the frog and he turns into this handsome prince. Now imagine the prince and the princess, they go out for dinner and they've got dressed up, they're celebrating their newfound love and there's all the fancy dishes around but suddenly a little fly buzzes into the dining area. And the prince leaps up and he catches the fly with his tongue. Mm, 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 That was a good one. Does gobbling up that fly make him a frog again? No, he's still a prince. He's just acting like a frog. And it's exactly the same with us as Christians. Sometimes when we're in this place, that's kind of this in-between kingdom. The kingdom's come in part, but it's not come in full yet. We sometimes still act like sinners, but that's not our identity anymore. 
We can still fail and fall and do the things we did before, but that doesn't affect our identity in Christ. Our loving Heavenly Father has not set a maximum to the number of times that he will forgive our stuff-ups. Praise be to God. Because if he did that, then at some point we're going to click over that magic number and then what's it going to be? Oh, you know, sorry, too bad, you miss out now. Because that wouldn't be forgiveness at all. That would just be delaying our punishment or delaying vengeance. No, he is gracious. He is infinitely gracious to us. The scripture tells us, it actually popped up earlier in the testimony slot, which is so good. Um, Isaiah 43 verse 25 says, I am he who blots out your trans- transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sin no more. God speaking. God is all-knowing. He knows everything. So it's not like forgetting like we would, oh, I've forgotten that. But it does mean he's not dredging up these things. He's not holding them against us. He's not purposefully remembering them and bringing them forward. Going Every time we sin again, going, oh, well, of course you did that because look what you did last time. No, he's wiped the slate clean. And we need to ask him to make us better at grabbing those new starts and not clinging to the things that he has chosen to wipe away. But we need to deal with the reality that all of this messiness is difficult as kingdom people. We're under his rule in this in-between time and life feels messy because we still see injustice all over the place. We see so many acts of darkness, of people choosing to do evil and hateful things and we see the consequences of that all around us. Many of us today are in pain and have questions. And we have to wrestle that stuff through with God. God, don't you care that this thing is happening? God, why don't you do something? Our faith gets undermined and we say, well, where's your rule in this? Our heart wants all this mess to end. We want this time when we're living in this kingdom of God, but also having the kingdom of darkness running alongside it to be over now. And we're going to have a whole topic just as an aside about lament and how we deal with this stuff with God well as we run up to Easter. So we are going to go into that in a lot more detail because it's so important how we deal with these emotions. But for now, while our hearts are yearning for a time when there is no more war and no more political unrest or poverty or children being sold into slavery or physical or spiritual pain, where we're desperate for a time where there's no more sickness and no more mental health struggles, in this time we have a hope that coming one day is his perfect kingdom in its fullness. Maybe we're a little bit like the Jews who rejected Jesus because his plan looked so different to theirs. And we need to understand that our understanding is so much smaller than what he wants to achieve. Because it's right that we feel angry at the injustice in the world. It's kind of a sign that our hearts are in line with his because God is angry about it. He feels more pain for the mess than we do. How might he be wanting to use us as his image bearers in this time? Ones that know that this isn't how life is supposed to be. Ones that can embody the challenges that we find in Isaiah 61, powered by the spirit who leads us. Because these kingdoms 
of darkness and light won't coexist forever. And God tells us and paints this beautiful picture of what it's going to be like when this kingdom, when Jesus comes again and the kingdom comes in all its fullness. We find this in Revelation chapter 21, where it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea, and I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. So if that's what we're heading towards, why doesn't God bring that now what scripture tells us is that mercy triumphs over judgment and the consequence of this extended mercy because he is so compassionate on us is that we live in this morally messy world God allows us to reject him to resist him, to do evil to do the things that he doesn't want for us but he's not always going to do that When Jesus comes back again, evil will no longer be tolerated. And there'll be a choice whether we have asked Jesus to take our sins and our punishment for us for our wrongdoing, or whether we try and keep struggling on ourselves and take that punishment ourselves, which will mean eternal separation from the Father. So in all of our hurry up, God, we don't like the mess. Can't you fix it already? Let's hear God's timing. 2 Peter chapter 3 verses 8 and 9 show us why he's not acting just yet. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. When I start thinking about all the people that I know that don't know Jesus yet, all the people that I love that haven't made a choice to follow his rule, it starts to soften my heart because my heart immediately goes to, please God, give them more time to choose you. Please God, help them to take that next step to come under your rule. I don't want their decision now to reject him to have eternal consequences for them. So let's ask God to realign our hearts with his heart for the lost and the broken and those that he loves beyond measure in our world. Let's let that be the thing that really presses us in for prayer and seeking more of his rule. So how's God wanting to use you this morning? How's God wanting to use you in this waiting time where it's come but it's not come in full yet, where there are people that we know and we love that we desperately want to keep pointing to Jesus? Maybe it's looking for those kingdom moments today, seeing powerful transformation and sharing those testimonies. 
Maybe it's praying for God to break into situations for prophetic words, for praying for healing. Because this in-between time is not wasted. It's a time for growth and it's a time for proclamation. But let's have urgency in doing that. What's he wanting to do in you in this time of waiting? Because God hasn't just saved you from a whole bunch of stuff. He saved you for a whole bunch of things too. What are the tasks that he has in mind that are just for you to do? That are going to love his world and proclaim his truth and bring him splendor? That you are uniquely gifted and placed to do? I'm going to pray for us as we respond. Um, there might be a whole bunch of different things that the Holy Spirit might be prompting your heart on this morning. I just encourage you, listen to that little voice. Make some room to listen to what he want, might want to lead you to. It might be that he is just wanting to bring you back again in a place of repentance where you know things aren't quite as they should be with God and to receive his forgiveness. It might be that you just need to forgive yourself for some stuff where he has wiped that slate clean. Maybe you are still doing your best caterpillar impression and he really wants to set you free to fly. It might be that you're desperately hungry to see God's kingdom come. You want to be proclaiming his word confidently. You want to be pointing people to this truth and you need to come to him for the equipping for that because otherwise it's just our efforts. But with him, we can accomplish glorious, wonderful things in this kingdom. So let's let the Holy Spirit lead us. I'll pray for us. I would like us to have a little bit of time just reflecting, but then I'd really love for us as a church to be praying for one another. You don't have to overshare, share as much or as little as you feel able to but we as one people as God's holy people need to be lifting one another up need to be standing alongside one another and encouraging one another so if nothing else be praying a blessing over those that surround you and for obedience to whatever the spirit is just nudging their hearts for heavenly father I thank you that you are good news that you are so lavish towards us in your mercy and your grace. We pray that as we have encountered you in your word, you would just be drawing to mind, Holy Spirit, little bits that are just the thing that you want to speak to us through from your word. We thank you that your word is living and it's active and it's powerful. Lord, we thank you that we are a people that have heard the truth, your gospel of salvation. We've believed you. And that means we're sealed with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray if there's boldness that is needed to just receive this afresh or perhaps even for the first time, I pray for a spirit of boldness in this room to grab hold of all that you have for us. I thank you that when we come to you, we receive forgiveness of our sins. Lord, we thank you that you don't want us to slip back into slavery and imprisonment and fear because we have a spirit of adoption and it means we can cry out to you as our father. Lord, we thank you that as we come before you, we can just openly lay it all out there. If we claim to be without sin, we've deceived ourselves and truth's not in us, but if we confess our sins, you are faithful and you are just and you will forgive us our sins and you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We claim that wonderful promise this morning, Lord. We pray, Holy Spirit, be at work amongst us. Amen.
So I encourage you, when you've had a, a moment to reflect on anything God might have just been speaking to you, can I encourage you to gather with those around you? Um, if you would like prayer and nobody's praying for you, can I ask you just to do something brave and pop up a hand and one of us will come and just pray with you. Um, be blessed in this time. Let's use it well to listen to him.